Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, Head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Hope everybody's doing all right. Hockey season's in the full swing of things. Hey, if you're an Oilers fan, you might be a little bit worried. I know I got a lot more on my in my listenership now that I'm doing Gregor's show, Jason Gregor's show on Mondays and Thursdays on sports 1440 in Edmonton. And uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of more, or a lot, a lot more Oilers fans tuning in. It seems, or at least uh, communicating by way of Twitter. A lot of the time I find when I'm, uh, when I'm on with Gregor, I got to pay attention to Twitter more than I normally do because that's uh, where his show gets a lot of the feedback. And I pretty much, I enjoy it as well. So I encourage listeners, go through Twitter, and uh, it's much easier, and uh, it's more, uh, I find it starts a conversation. In other words, I get a lot of DMs, and it's tough. I'm going get to get to something later. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit when it comes to direct messages and things. But uh, no, I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the feedback. So... Speaking of Oilers, yes, McDavid's out. Look, to answer a bunch of your questions, to answer a bunch of them in one, <laughs> with one answer, uh, yeah, McDavid's out. What, a week or two? Do I think it's cause for alarm? No. First of all, if it's going to happen, now's a good time. The Oilers are 1-3-1, and one, I think, 
and they really have. I mean, they've been have, making some terrible mistakes. But the, the Winnipeg game, I think they outshot Winnipeg by twenty. I think one of the Vancouver games, the second one, they outshot Vancouver. They outchanced Vancouver. So I mean, they could have a, another win or two. Right then, what are they two two and one or three one and one? Right now, three one and one might be a bit of a stretch. And I know any team can say that, you know, well, if we did this, if we did this, I'm just saying, fine. They got one win in five games. They could have more. They've been playing real sloppy D, but they've got a good team. A lot of teams picked them to win the Stanley Cup. So if you pick them to win the Stanley Cup, do you think that it all rides on one guy? I know it's the best player around, but you've got what people say is the second best player around. I mean, not that I'm one of the people that says he's not. I just find it hard to, you know, it's it's, it's opinion is it's hard to, you know, give give any solid factor or finality to that. But you know, Drysdale is one of the best players in the world. There's no doubt. Then you got what? Nugent Hopkins had 100 points last year. You got a Vander Kane, slow start, but I mean, it's a Vander Kane, right? I mean, he's got to be better than five games, no goals, one assist. Vogel's been playing great, I think, for a big guy that I didn't think when I first watched him he had much skill at all. And then I looked and he, he, he's deceiving, right? Connor Brown's got to break out of it at some point. Zach Hyman's there. I know people are down on Darnell Nurse, but come on. He's still, I mean, he had a nice goal the other night. He's still a fucking above average defenseman, right? Bouchard playing awful, but I can't see him playing any worse. The last 30 games last year, I thought he played phenomenal. At times, like, I don't want to say Norris Trophy, but he was up there playing like those guys when Barry left and Ekholm came in, right? Now, he, he didn't lose anything. Bouchard's one year older, which makes him, what, 22 or some shit? You know, yeah. So, yeah, they're playing poorly. It's five games into an 82-game season. 82. People still saying, oh, well, you know, they're, Canucks are way out in front. Vegas are 6-0, 5-0, whatever they are. Yeah, fuck. I know they're way out in front with like 78, 77 games left. Holy fuck, man. Now, David, whatever it is, if someone says you're out for a week or two, you know, and I say the week or two because they didn't want to rule out the Heritage Classic, but if you thought he might be out for two, wouldn't be me playing him in the Heritage Classic. It's happening next Sunday which would be like eight days from any city, but it be out a week or two. You want to rush the best player in the world on ice. That's going to definitely be shitty. All that cold outside, no matter what you got to deal with the media and all the headache and the noise surrounding. It's only a 60 minute game. It could be a fucking Tuesday night in February, right? It just happens to be the heritage classic points mean the same. Each minute is an NHL minute that goes by the same stats are recorded the same. So essentially, it's one game. And if they don't, he doesn't play that one, they get a game Thursday. So that would be four extra days of rest. The Sunday, the Monday, the Tuesday, and the Wednesday for those that can't do math. So for me, I don't know. It's it's pretty shitty for the Heritage Classic, but if I'm Connor McDavid's camp, I don't really give a shit. And when I say his camp, I mean like his team, his fans, his whatever his camp actually is. I don't know, personal fucking trainer or advisor. I don't know, family. But, you know, it's the Heritage Classic. Big deal. He'll only play in what? 15? I mean, they said it's the 20-year anniversary. Okay, and I remember it was a big deal because there was one. Now, this is the Heritage Classic. There will be an outdoor classic, a winter classic. 
Um, there's other classics. Uh, I, I forget all the names. I don't know. Alumni fucking classic. Wait, it doesn't really matter. But I know that, you know, it's the... Um, The glitz or the glamour, what's the word? The, the notoriety, the, the professionalism, the, the, all of that cachet, let's say, that goes with having an outdoor game, kind of watered down or saturated. What's the word? It, it, you know, when there's so many of them, right? There's, I, don't, I haven't even looked. I bet you there's five this year. I know there will be. Or New Year's Eve outdoor game. There, there's one just called the outdoor game, isn't there? Um, so anyway, looking forward to it, of course. I love to see when a lot of people get together in a fairly unique environment to cheer on their team or their, the, you know, whichever team it would be or, or just the sport in general to get together outside and cheer for something, uh, you know, to be positive. I love all of it. And it is a bit of our heritage, isn't it? Outdoor games. So I'm not against it or anything. I just don't think it's as important as it once was. I can see why it would be for the NHL itself. But the Oilers or McDavid doesn't know the NHL. That, I mean, coming back for when you're injured, never. You know, you you first it's your own career and your health, and after that, you know, what does the team want me to do? Right? What's my what's my team saying here? Are they, these are professionals, doctors, my coaches, my GM. They all want me. I'm here for a long time. I mean cross fingers to everybody involved. So what do they want? You know, what do they think? I wouldn't be listening to Gary Bettman or, or quote unquote, the NHL. Not that I think they're in his era or anything. I'm just saying uh, that that's one thing that I heard people say, well, it's a heritage classic. You know, they're going to want him to play. Well, who the fucking Oilers. I don't think the Oilers care one way or the other. I mean, of course, if he's healthy, they do. But I'm saying that the orders are going to go with whatever. Is he healthy? Okay, he'll play. Is he not healthy? Okay, he won't. <laughs> That's simple as that. If he ain't healthy, the Oilers, Heritage fucking classic, it's going to sell out anyway. It's not going to mean any more to them. What they're looking at is the Stanley Cup. Right? Hopefully he's healthy for as long as he, you know, let's hope these are the only games he misses. But for me, wouldn't even bother me slightly if I'm in Oilers management, I'm one of the coaches or a player, if if Connor McDavid, you know, was needed a few more days rest, fucking give it to him. He's earned that for the love and honor of fuck. Now, ooh, what next? Oh my God. So, yeah, a lot of people are asking me about these movies. So I, I've been out there recommending these Halloween movies, and every year I watch the same ones. And I'm I, again, I'm not one. I've said this before, but I've watched movies multiple times, especially ones I really, really like. But it got to be like I can't watch them back to back. There's got to be some space to it. But um, and then every year, you know, a lot of you, you yeah, it's Halloween out anywhere at a bar, or you're just watching TV the movies that come up or, or you know, you're with friends or, you know, it, there's movies that come up and it's usually, you know, like Penny Lane wanted to see some. So I'll go to Saw. Like I said, I watched Aliens for the first time a couple of weeks ago for that whole series. Loved it. Well, I loved four of them. 
Alien, Aliens, Alien Covenant, and Prometheus. Um, last night. So, yeah, and, you know, I don't know, over the years, fucking Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen all those, and, well, not every single one when it comes to those franchises, because I think they went in, they're like in the teens now, aren't they? But anyway, point being, Exorcist, like, of all the classic movies that have been introduced to me that I thought I should probably watch, The Shining... You know, I've checked them all out. Shining, I only saw once. I, it wasn't, I, I think it's because I was, a, a, you know, I was expecting too much. I'm not going to say it was bad. It wasn't as, as good as I thought, like I'm some fucking film critic. But anyway, sometimes I, it was great. It was great. But it, I guess I was expecting a little bit more. Um, but uh, just because of reputation and, you know, reading about it and all that stuff. But again, so what I'm saying is that sometimes a movie's a little bit more than what you thought or maybe a little bit less. In the odd time, it's way better or way worse. For me, I hadn't seen The Thing. I, I don't know why. The Thing, and here it is, it came out in the 80s, like 83 or something. So I was like five or six. Now, of course, you know, I'm not saying that I, had the presence of mind then to just up and go to a movie. But, you know, people would take me. I was introduced back before the social media. You were, you're watching TV all the time. There's commercials. I don't know. Like, I remember all the big hype about, like, the Goonies. Alien, even. I, I remember the hype. I just didn't go watch it. Um, I don't know. God. I'll, well, the Friday the 13th. It doesn't have to be horror. Anything. Any big movie that hit the screen. Uh, you know, Stand By Me. Uh, you know, I can go through the big movies of the 80s. If you're a kid and, you know, Ghostbusters, I just knew about all of them. I saw most. I knew about all of them. And I, I remember like people talking about the thing. I thought it was like a movie that came out in the fifties. And I, I believe the original did um, by some different name. There, there's a history to it because afterwards I, I read a few, you know, I, I was so good that when I looked it up, I realized it's one of Clint, uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies. So, not only that, so Quentin Tarantino talks about Reservoir Dogs, which is, if not my favorite movie by him, my second favorite movie. I mean, it's hard. I love Pulp Fiction, but Reservoir Dogs was the first I'd ever heard of Quentin Tarantino. We went, and I believe I went in Tri-Cities. with like I was like a 15-year-old call-up, and it just come out. Whoa! I was like, what did I just watch? I thought it was awesome. Well... I'm not going to give much away, but I mean, if you haven't seen it, fast forward to two minutes. Um, in in uh, Reservoir Dogs, okay, it becomes about paranoia, like who done? Like one of the guys is obviously guilty; he's a snitch. So you you, you know that right off the bat. I'm not ruining anything there. So all these people, it's Mr. Pink, Mr. Orange, Mr. White, Mr. Black, Mr. Right? They um they don't even want to use their real names because they don't want too much personality people know but they get in and, and but they find out that one of them must be a rat okay so i had no idea but this it, it's similar with the thing again i'm not giving too much away thing came out 10 years before reservoir dogs but tarantino was talking about it he said you know because the thing can basically be anything so it's 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 an alien life form that yeah 
I don't want to explain too much, but they, they you know, they're they're in Antarctica and they come across it, and this thing can basically, um, what's the word, metamorphosize into, transform for a better way to put it, anything. So like, I, I believe it has to be living, but it can be any living life form. So it can, like a doppelganger type of thing. So it can, if if it comes across a dog, it can, it can look and act like that dog within moments, within say, I don't know, an hour or whatever the time is of, of of coming across it, right? It's got that ability and it's evolution wherever it came from. That's what happened. Like a chameleon of sorts, but like the best possible chameleon that you've ever seen. So, of course, they're up there and this kind of happens. And when they figure it out, they're like, well, it could be any one of us, right? So now the rest of the movie, like Reservoir Dogs, it's a bunch of people that are kind of paranoid. Paranoid is definitely the common denominator. And for different reasons, but yeah, it's kind of unique. There were, I haven't seen too many movies like that. There's movies the thing has in common with, say, Alien, that, you know, okay, there's something out there and we might get picked off here one by one, so to speak. But paranoia that it might be one of us is unique to the thing, I believe, and the Reservoir Dogs. I'm sure there's other examples, but... It's so obvious, almost to how many even people are in it. When I'm looking at Reservoir Dogs now that Quentin Tarantino mentioned it, but I never ever would have thought, well, how would I? Because I didn't see the thing. And Kurt Russell's in it, and a few other. There's some other uh, great actors. Um, you, you'll recognize, you know, people that were in a lot of movies around that time. Oh God. I'm being ignorant. I'm going to talk about it. I might as well look it up. One sec. Yeah, so Kurt Russell. Now, he must have been just after his pro baseball career. I, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh, the Battered Boys of Baseball, I think it's called, on Netflix. or It, it was on there a year ago. I haven't seen it come up much lately. But then again, I've already seen it twice. Um, yeah, check that out. Kurt Russell and his little brief little stint with professional baseball. It's pretty wild. So that was in the 70s. So this movie came out, okay, 1982. So he would have just been fresh off, I guess, his athletic pursuit. Wilford Brimley, that's the guy I was thinking of in the natural. He's in a bunch of stuff. Those 90s babies and 2000s, I remember him from like, um, it, it was like old, like anything associated with old men. The osteoporosis commercials. Uh, mortgage your house for a sec, a second mortgage commercial, shit like that. Insurance. Uh, David Clennon. Okay, Palmer. I forgot his name. Um, some old. Oh, Donald Moffat. Look at that guy. Recognize him from a bunch of movies at the time. Um, Larry Franco, Peter Maloney. Anyway, so there's a decent cast. And uh, John Carpenter did it. And when I read about it, said it got raked over the coals at the time. Maybe that's why I didn't hear much about it. Um, but, uh, you know, over time, especially with its DVD release and everything, it's become more and more popular. And now critics kind of have a different view of it from because of different things, set, set dressing. I mean, I do that for a living still here and there. So I know what that's about, um, is, is real, real cool, real, real great job. They did makeup and the, 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 the thing itself, 
um, just the way that they did it then without CGI and everything, it's brilliant. And it looks real. It still holds up. So anyway, I, I encourage you to see it. I mean, there's a little bit of 80s nostalgic cheese in there. But every movie had that. Uh, but now I look, it's got like, you know, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people looking back. Because I, I at the time, I don't think they thought a lot of people reviewing it would realize how innovative it became. And from the plot, I mean, like I said, it's a lot like Alien, which got critically praised all over the world right alien came out like two or three years later and you trust me there is a similarity first of all that it's an alien right first of all it's a dangerous alien there's so many of us is picking us off one by one that's a huge similarity well alien came out just two years after that and became this huge thing and then you know there's a movie life um i believe it's jake gyllenhaal he's in it that didn't come out that long ago again real similar um you know, even the the horror movies, like I said, you know, where like Freddy Krueger picks you off one by one or Scream or, or uh, yeah, Jason, uh, Friday the 13th, right? It's a similar setup. And the thing, again, if this was a remake in 1982, then I got to go back and watch the original. And there's a couple, that that's the thing. It was a, a novel or a novella they call it which is like a short kind of story extended short story so it, it began as that i did a little bit of homework in the 50s and i think there's a couple of earlier iterations but you know apparently that they're 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 huge in the annals and the history of film and a lot of directors and actors whatever look back and you know if quentin carantino is going to use it as a stepping stone then you have to reevaluate your your critique right he's one of the best ever in my opinion i mean so, and definitely the most successful, right? A lot of you, you were going to talk opinion. A lot of people love the guy um, and, and all of his work. And I do. I, do, I can't think of a bad Quentin Tarantino movie. And if I hear, more so than any other director, if I hear he's got anything to do with it, I'll run out to the theater. I don't even need to read a review. I'll watch. I know I like his style, right? What was the last one there? The uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So stylish, man. And he fucks around with actual history and the plot. Um, did it with the one before that, too. Anyway, I'm running off. I digress once again. But uh, so if Tarantino used it as a blueprint for other things that he did in movies and other almost movies, then you've got to go back and reevaluate your critique of it now. I was five years old in 1982, so I didn't know, but I'm sure there's lots of people a little bit older than me that probably didn't like it when it came out, but changed their tone. But anyway, that's really here and there. I just thought it was a great movie for me and never having seen it. And I would hear about the thing and I just like, I don't know how it didn't have that lasting power that like Halloween had or, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, you know, you just have to be on earth to hear those. I mean, they're, they're, even if you don't watch them, you hear them come up. I'm not saying that, you know, we all watch every movie that's recommended, but I just never heard anybody say the thing. And all of a sudden I look and there's a, after each movie I watch, I go back and I, 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 I now I read all the, the write-ups. I go to Rotten Tomatoes. I read all the reviews, whether I disagree or not, whatever I go back. I go to YouTube. Some some people might talk about it. It might be in Rolling Stone magazine from the archives. Uh, you know, I'll uh, 
you know, you can pick up some of those late night TV interviews. There's a lot of directors, actors that might talk about whatever movie you just saw. Moviemistakes.com gives a lot of the history of the movies. So I often check them out after I've seen them rather than before, rather have the surprise element be at maximum. And uh, anyway, fuck, I, I just thought it was um, fantastic movie all around, and uh, I highly recommend it. That was big praise, though. I just went on pretty passionately about a movie that, after all, it's only a movie. But anyway, it was all right. Now, Lincoln Walsh, got to give a shout out. It's a tragic story. Seven-year-old from Newfoundland here, Inception Bay Area, positive. Everybody who ever met him, even for a brief minute, talks about his joy, his positivity. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's tragic. Seven years old, and he was riding the zip line in his buddy's backyard. I don't know any more to it, but, you know, something that I guess could be avoidable. But I, I, every every day we we all do something. That, I mean, I could drive. I could drive to the fucking Growlers game tomorrow night. Something happened. That's avoidable. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just. It's a, it's a sad story. It's a tragic story. And um, all we can do, all we can do is um yeah it's rough man they brought it up on hockey Inc. canada i sent a message in for the family i'm sure it wasn't me though and i didn't really hear anything back there was a lot of crazy stuff going on but i got flooded with these messages terry can you you know talk to ron mclean or someone on hockey Inc. i'm like what happened what is and then i looked down because i'm like something tragic must have happened and then I, I look at the bottom of these messages and i'm like lincoln wallace i'm like oh no no don't tell me local kid seven years old man fuck so anyway he's in extreme hockey run by andrew mckim um fans of the bruins might recognize that name play with the bruins in the early 90s for a little bit settled down here played uh from st john new brunswick yeah pro player played for a long time andrew settled down here and him and Randy Piercy, uh, his son, Matt, Andrew Piercy, they all have extreme hockey, which is one of the private programs here. It's successful. It's been on the go for years. They're great. Well, Link was a part of that and um, played for CBR. He was a CBR kid with Conception Bay region, they call it, just outside of St. John's. And uh, a lot of people that um, everybody I've talked to have, have talked about how, how positive he was, how his... His positivity, his laughter was addictive, and uh, it's it's a, it's a sad story. I I know there's lots of sad stories. Why am I bringing it up? I don't know, man. He's from Newfoundland. I feel I uh, you know it's just so tragic. You, certain things happen, and you try to connect. I don't know reason or. You just try to connect, and I, I, I don't know. It, this is tough, right? A seven-year-old, full-on, healthy, life-loving kid. So, you know, he's local, and it, and it feels, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, that's it. I, it's a shout out, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Walsh. Thoughts, prayers, condolences. I can't imagine. I certainly can't. But uh, how are you going to live on unless people mention it, right? I. I then how does a memory live positively? How, how, how do you, you know, 
take that energy and do something positive. It's really, really tough. If I was in the family right now, I wouldn't be able to do it. Even if I was a close friend, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, it's tough for me now as a podcaster and uh, just local hockey, part of the hockey community for me to do it. But uh, anyway, I, I, in my experience, I, I've dealt with some tragedy and uh, I often talk about BJ Tyson's father. Todd Klassen, fucking Mike Collins and Jonathan Zalil were guys I got tattooed on my back that all died prematurely, all uh, in a car. One was a heart attack in a car, but all those things happened. And since uh, BJ passed away and Johnny, I believe in mid-2000s, and, and since then I've known lots. Todd Gillingham and Bird Dog come to mind. But I, I just mean that. The the uh, I um I I can't identify with with that as a seven year old like I, I I don't know but what I what I can I guess like I said identify it's it's just with with tragedy and and, and when I I find that there's a level of there's a period of grievance and with like BJ I, I just remember that obviously because I became part of his kid's life shortly after. It probably took a year, man, and then I'd just bring him up whenever I could because I'm like, how is how are people going to know how good of a hockey player he was? How are people going to know how good of a friend he was unless I speak about it? I so so that's why I brought up Lincoln. It's it's tough for a lot of people I know. I know there must be some people listening to this podcast that know who he is and what happened, and I bring it up for that reason. Just if if only a little fucking small millimeter uh, of of positive help that I, I, I can bring to making the time pass slightly easier. But anyway. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours with promo code THPN and DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, L.A. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Now, another thing. So, guys, I like the fact that people listen to my podcast and they can rely on me to be honest, Okay. And when it comes to like mental health and stuff, I, I love having people like Corey Hirsch on that Brant Myers, um, 
there's been lots of others um, that can come on my pod and talk honestly and openly about mental adversity that they might have gone through. And when it comes to Corey, I, he was honest about his OCD, which is a, you know, it's it's a, an ailment, a disease. What do you call OCD? Um, it's an affliction that he has to deal with. Okay, so sometimes people might be feeling down. Sometimes there's really a mental block. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people need help in many different ways. And when it comes to mental adversity, I, it's too much to even begin to, to, to explain. But I, look, I'm, I'm almost, when I say this, so for those people that I identify, I'm glad you, you listen to this podcast and it helps you, okay? And but, but there's a but to this. I can only help certain ways. Like, and I say this because, guys, I try to, like I said, I try to answer all my DMs and it becomes a headache. It really does. I, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to complain about that, but I, I guess kind of I am. I don't want to seem selfish, but here's what's happened now. So each day I get up and there's probably a couple of dozen people, probably a dozen and, and five or six that message me quite frequently. And I think they come to depend on it. And it, it, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. Not not that they're dealing with mental adversity. I, I get that. But other than say it on here and direct you to in, a, in, in, in an area, I'm sorry, but I got too much on the go. And I deal with mental adversity as well. Okay. I'm sure not on the level of a lot of people. It's hard to rate, to rate that, but I get, I get it. People are down and out, a lot of them. What I'm saying is that I'm real busy. When I get up in the morning and it's almost, it's become, what's the word? Like trigger. You get like a sick, like I don't want, it's like work. Like I don't want to look at my Instagram messages. And I, I, yeah. Because, okay, like there are people that, I, I don't know, this is the kind of stuff, but w w one guy not long ago said, you know, well, if you, if you don't answer me though, Terry, I don't know what to do. I'll kill myself. So, and it's gotten to that with over the years, I'd say a dozen at least people. Um, and it, 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 and it's, it's, it's a catch 22 because it's because I answer the message in the first place. Now that they, they you know, they probably sent a million messages out there. But I'm just someone they see on TV and they hear on this, right? So, but 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 someone, oh my God, he got back to me, right? And then that happens. Not every time, but I'm just saying. I, so I, I don't know. I, I find it tough to find the middle ground because I don't want to be relied on or depended on. That changes the game. I appreciate that you identify, and it's certainly if it's a friend or something. I'm, when I say these are all people I don't know, I've never met. I guess I know them through Instagram, like, and I'm not down on any of them really. It, it's just getting tough. What one guy got weird? He flew to Newfoundland. I had to fucking block him out. I had, there was a whole. I had to call the cops. Like, so so that happens. Okay. So that's an extreme example, though. Um, but so I'll tell you. So one there there is a, now. This isn't an extreme example. Every once in a while, it's a hockey player that I consider part of a brotherhood, right? If you played the game. So now this particular player, he knows I'm going to mention him because he needs some help. And his name is Rob Frid, F-R-I-D. Those who are real big fans and have been listening to me for a long time, like four or five years, maybe four years ago, maybe, I had a podcast with a couple of friends named, it was called Third Man In. 
and it was uh, Charles Pickett, and it was Mike. Sorry, Mike Hickey. And Charles and Mike were buddies. I just couldn't. I much the same. I couldn't have them relying on me. Like uh, right now, like I do my pod, but like today, I just had my daughters. I recorded one earlier, honestly, and I erased it. I went on for an hour, and I didn't like what I said. Um or the manner I said it, I was lazy. It was mailed in. I said, fuck it. And I had to give, I wanted to redo it and, and talk about Lincoln, to be honest with you and, and Rob. So Rob knows I'm going to, so Rob came on that show even, right? So Rob was a, a player, um, played in the O, OHL, those that don't know, Canadian major junior, went on to play a little bit of pro. Let's look it up. Uh, so, Rob Fritz, so 1975. He's 48. London Knights, right? Actually, 94, 95 had a great year. 51 games, 32 points, 216 minutes. Now, here's his pro. He played from the East Coast League, United League, Central League, West Coast League, CHL. I actually played against him in the West Coast League. When I said I didn't, I meant junior. I, I didn't play in the OHL in junior. Um, CHL, Canadian Hockey League, so, uh, or sorry, Central League, United League. So he played all over the, like, double-A part of pro hockey. 56 games, 181 minutes. I'll go down, 200 minutes, 297, 286, 225, 225. Um, and the year I played against him, he was in Anchorage, and he had a decent year. 24, okay, 24 points, 286 minutes. Yeah, I remember him as... Uh, just as tough customer and a good guy and a good guy. I know people that know him and played with him and everything else. Now, listen, Rob and I, I mean, we weren't friends when I played or anything, but we've gotten to know each other since. And Rob, like I said, he came on that pod and he, he's been going through I know, I, I believe the concussions caused a lot of the mental adversity, post-concussion syndrome, whatever it is. And he writes me a lot and, you know, he's going through a tough time now. But so anyways, okay, he knows I'm going to read these, by the way. So I, I, I am, I don't make a habit of explaining people's personal situation, but he needs help. And I told him, I said, Rob, I can't do anything else. I don't know. I get up in the morning and I read these messages. And I don't want to seem callous or pompous, but I can't do much else, right? So he says, hi, can I have your business email, please? Okay, so okay, I sent it to him. He said he had this grow gear. I mean, you Google it, I think you'll be able to find if anybody. I'm doing this because I want someone to help him, by the way, and I can't. So um, if, if you're listening to this and you want to help, the least I'm thinking you're going to do is Google and see who this guy's all about. So he says he's almost homeless. He's in a... You know, Grow Gear has helped me for three years because my U.S. insurable hours working, playing in our minor league system traps us, TR. The, those hours can't cross over in the Canadian border. Again, we're getting into territory that I can't really do much about, right? Um, but this is this is true. So why I fought so hard? Because my $700 total financial disability support kills our minor league alumni brothers like Andre Payette, Lance Galbraith, Garrett Burnett, and so many more. Those guys passed away much too early without getting into it. I'm sure there's lots. Um, you know, the transition into regular life from pro hockey can often be tough, especially if it comes, if you, back in the day, 
I mean, my concussions came from hits, but I mean, we, we played in there, lots of fighting and I know what it's like to have post-concussion syndrome and I got out of it, knock on wood, I'm not going to say unscathed, but barely, barely successfully. And I'm talking to you guys here now. I do light hurts my eyes here and there. I believe my emotions are, might be, I might have a short temper, more short than normal once in a while. And it might come with the headaches due to light, but these are infrequent. They used to be all the time. I used to forget my fucking address, depth perception. I'd go to pick up like a fucking cup of coffee and it'd be like three inches from where it was, like weird shit. And that makes you feel bad. And then as a person, and the other thing about hockey is that you always feel like accepted and you're on a team and you're a unit and people will help you out. So when that ends, it's tough to take. But anyway, so, and I say to him, I'm like, Rob, look, I'll bring it up, but I can't do much more. Um, you know, and he's not, he's not looking for like a financial handout. He's looking for help. Um, and I, I couldn't do that anyway. Um, said before, I don't mind it. Before Shorzy, man, I was $200,000 in the hole. So that doesn't clean itself up right away, right? I'm doing much better than I ever have. I'm happy. I have my bills in order, paying them off. I'm, but. I'm not in the position to be, yeah, you, you, no one would be calling me wanting to change their life and start over again. And, you know, I don't have tens of thousands of dollars to dish out to anybody. But anyway, um, what I'm saying is that my financial help can only go so far. And that's not what he's looking for. I'm just explaining it to you guys. So you don't think that you don't think that. Um, but he does need help. So he's like, so I got back to him. I said, Rob. I'm sorry, I don't have time. I'm I'm busy. It's a big responsibility because he asked me, he said, write me up. And this is the thing, Rob. I know you're listening because so I'm going to send this to you. Now, you can send me messages, DMs. I get it, but like you, you didn't even ask. You said, okay, okay, write up a GoFundMe fund and share it so I can keep helping our alumni brothers. No, Rob, you do that, and I'll share it. Right. That's all I'm trying to say to everybody out there. Like I can help. I, I, I I'll try to help in, 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 a, in a way. And I don't want every podcast to be about this. I have a podcast. This is, a, I'll go to my stories or, or maybe if I get interviewed on another, but I don't want this to be just a be all and end all platform for mental adversity. But I do like dealing with it once in a while because I deal with it. I get it. And I've, I've got friends like this and Rob Fritt out there clearly needs somebody right now. I just don't want, you know, I like my podcast like it is. I like interviewing people and having a laugh. Sometimes it morphs over into that. We talk about all kinds of subjects. Point being, once in a while, I'll say this. I'll, I'll pass on numbers as I did. There's numbers out there to the PHPA, NHL alumni, um, just regular. I don't know, big brother, big sister. There's all kinds of people to reach out to, family, friends, ex-teammates. That's what I say to Rob. I'm like, man, I, you know, I, and I really do want to help. And we are a brotherhood. But when I get up and get these messages and feel like I'm being relied on, like there must be someone that, you know, you play in a lot of places, my man. Right. Um, or if there's a charity game, I'll come and, and raise the money for you. But, you know, writing up a GoFundMe, you can do yourself. Right. I'll help you once you have it done. Now, and that's not an invite to everybody with every GoFundMe. This is something that I feel connected to, obviously, as a hockey player that went through this stuff. I mean, I played against Rob. Now, here's the thing. I didn't, at the time, Rob and I didn't know each other at all. I only got to know him in the last few years through social media. But so anyway, 
I say, I get dozens of these, Rob, and I wish I could do more. I'm here in Newfoundland with a busy schedule, but I'll try and think of some other ways I can help. Here's so-and-so a number. And he said, okay, um, I'm waiting for your assistance soon, TR. So now you're waiting for my assistance. I'm like, again, I can only do so much. I feel bad. Um, He says, I'm on the streets. I said, okay, what streets? In Toronto? There's got to be a way I can help. Again, I'm trying to, he says, no, I'm in Calgary. Now, why Calgary? Again, I'm just thinking of some way, like I'm I'm calling up homeless shelter or whatever. I, I don't have any in other than that. So really what I'm saying to him is that anybody can do. But he says, I've been here eight months. Grogear helped me for three years. Um, I was introduced to so-and-so, gave me commitments that didn't happen. Once he launched, anyway, he gets into his business thing. And now I'm in a hostel and I'm running out of funds. Um, anyway, I, I get all that, how it can be a terrible, terrible situation. I really do. That's why I want to help the guy. That's why, Rob, I answer in the first place. I'm sure a lot of people don't answer, right? And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm still missing my teeth and I could come on Shorzy. Um, but, but Rob, I can't make that happen again, right? Like it's like when people, I don't know, they're, like, you know, I get shy each week. I get called. I, I, it's my birthday. You know what? I think I think so-and-so would love it if Ron McLean mentioned it on Hockey Night Canada. And they ask me. And I'm like, man, you know, the, I, I'm not on Hockey Night Canada. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't write the scripts for sure. I'm lucky to be on Shorzy. Right? And I hope everything works out, Rob. But I, 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 please, to rely on me to get you on Shorzy is irresponsible. I can't do that, okay? I can't do that for anybody. My best friends in the world, I'm never, ever, by the way, I'm never going to Jared Kiso, ever, and saying, you should put this, you should do this, you should whatever. I'm lucky enough to be on the show, gets great ratings, speak when spoken to, breathe, accept that I'm Ted Hitchcock, and don't fucking overstep my boundaries. I said that day one, like I have with other people. Hockey Night in Canada, don't even like to see me fucking emailing anymore because I've worn out my welcome, right? So there's only so much I can do. I can't. I'm now he doesn't expect that, but even just to say it, and I know you're desperate, but there's a difference being relied on and dependent on Rob. And you know, man, I love you. I hope it all works out. But, um, you know, just just to put some finality to this, so so because I don't want to seem like a dickhead, people. But I told him I'd mention on my podcast, and I am. And it's hard for me to mention half of it without mentioning all of it, or at least three quarters. I'm not going to tell you everything. There are personal messages I'm not going to say, but he knows I'm going to say this stuff. Um, I said, "Well, good luck," again, with a number PHPA. That's the Professional Hockey Players Association. They have mental health people to work with they have substance abuse not that he's a substance abuser i don't believe him to be i believe the grow gear was to do with weed and that does help i mean if i i can weed especially for me low thc high cbd and when i'm feeling down or i'm not and not, i don't mean just in like a two-hour burst i mean like it can set me in the right direction like sometimes i just get it's I, the best way i can put it is like a panic attack over things that sometimes i don't even know it's one thing to be worried about an exam tomorrow or worried about a big game or, or a trip. or But when you don't know when you're having it, that that's the scary thing. And I get those all the time. And that's something that never happened until the concussion. So maybe, I don't know. 
But anyway, so everybody deals with stuff. I get it. And I got back to him. I said, okay, uh, there has to be something. PHPA, pass on the number. Anyhow, I have to go on the air now and record, I said. And I did. I'm really busy, guys, right? That's why I, like two or three hours each day, I try to help people like Rob, right? So, Rob, please understand that. It's not just you, we me, it's other people. And I, I'm not responsible for any of it, really. I just try to help. But it's starting to be that the first two, three hours, like part of my day is tough to get through right now. Of course, I'll help if I got, but Rob, I'm just saying to you, there has to be other routes. Now, I'm always here. But anyway, I got to finish this message. Sorry. Keep fucking digressing. So then I say, anyway, I have to go on the air and record. I get 50 messages a week like yours, and it's overwhelming, to be honest. I wish I could help all of you, but there are better people positioned than me. Good luck. And passed on, of course, those numbers and told him that I would say this on the podcast and see what I could do. I thought that was decent of me, but he says decent of me. Like I know a pat on the back. I just, I, th I thought that was proper. I, I don't know. I thought that was not nice for lack of a better way to put it. But he says, wow, I didn't expect that message from you, TR. You have a big platform. I've even supported in your early days. What do you mean support? Like listening? I appreciate that. I do, which is why I'm talking to you, but doesn't mean I'm obligated, Rob, to I'm not sure what you want, but anyway. So he says, wow, that was a message I did not expect from you. I do know what he wants. He wants me to solve his problem, and I want to help. Anyway, you have a big platform. I've supported you in the early days. Why would you give up on me out of all our alumni brothers, ALL capitalized? That's a kick in my gut, he said. Now, again, I'm not giving up on you, my man, right? I think that given all the time that I've given this, I've promoted over the years, you know it, I've retweeted stuff. I've put it on my Instagram story. I had you on, we had you on, Third Man In podcast. I, I'm dedicating this. What are we talking? 10, 20 minutes on my pod. There's, has, I'm talking right now to tens of thousands of people. So I'm hoping one of them, Rob, can help you in a better way than I can. And I'm, trust me, man, I, I identify, I get it. I, I, I can't say identify. I, 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 I identify with being down and out and needing help. I do. Um, but other than this, I'm sorry, I can't do much else, right? And I don't want to seem like some pompous fucking asshole. I'm an actor. I can, you know, it's, it's cutting, you know, I'm complaining and you're, I, I, in other words, I don't want to fucking complain, Rob, because you're down and out and I've been there, man. And right now, I got goosebumps thinking about it. I'm so sorry you're in that place. But please don't depend or rely on me to personally fix it when I hang the phone up or when I, sorry, when I put the mic down, I mean. Like, if and if I'm in Calgary, I do a show in Edmonton. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Edmonton at least two times in this winter. Right? Well, you know, you're, you're on. I know you've got a phone, access to the internet. You've got car. You've got a car. You've got wheels. Drive on up. I don't know. Uh, we'll try to figure out something. We'll have coffee together. Um, there's, there, I, I, 
I, there, there has to be. We'll call local organizations. There's people. There's that you could phone. A lot of people in your position are substance abuse problems, and you got to get over that first. You're not. You're just down and out. You had some tough. You got a tough fucking deal, right? You dealt a tough hand. I mean, and uh, but I believe in you. I do, and I believe that you, like so many of that came before you, can overcome this. Some didn't, but you're not one of them. You've been working so fucking hard and you started that grow gear, whatever it was, your business plan. It didn't work. Well, try it somewhere else. And I'm hoping someone listening to me can reach out and give Rob an opportunity. Rob, have you tried working? Have you tried for me five, six years ago? um, I told you guys, I went up to, you know, I, I, I had nothing. Danielle and I were getting divorced. We put ourselves way in the hole with a stupid magazine called Faces. I got swindled into putting money into. Lost $100,000 I didn't have to lose. And I already owed a lot of money. I've been off. I, I've been very honest about that. And I was up and Jerry D gave me an opportunity to do stand-up. And I had to go up doing stand-up. I, for two weeks, I walked around Union Station because I didn't have money to get a supply. I don't want to use the word homeless because a lot of people are actually homeless. And I could have reached out. I didn't really want to. I'm the opposite of you. I reached out to nobody. So, um, you know, there was friends of mine, Transam with David Lang, like the boys are buddies, like real good buddies that were living in the city. Fuck it. I said, I'm not going to whatever got in my head. I was stubborn, walked around, right. Listening. I mean, I, I, I was only homeless, quote unquote, in a sense of I was a daily. So I was working at like, I'm in the union as an actor and as a crew worker, I wasn't getting any acting things then, but it, maybe background, right. When you're in actra, they, they kind of owe it to you. They have to use you if you're in the union and you're close. But it was more than anything like set deck or locations going in like here, like hard, laborious work. I was getting like two days a week. I might get five, but I didn't know when that, and I never did. But, you know, I was a daily. Every day I was available, but I wasn't getting much. And I didn't know where my next payday had come from. And I had to send what I did, most of it home, right, for Penny Lane. Well, Danielle and Tyson, but for Penny Lane more than anything. And... um. I needed her to know it. She was five or six and she didn't. Daddy, why are you leaving? I went back. I was staying in Parkdale. It's a shithole for $900 a month, which you, everybody knows Toronto. There's nothing you can get for 900 a month. This was a little fucking one bedroom in a fucking shady area of Parkdale, which is shady anyway. And I had no furniture, nothing. I had this shitty old fucking futon. And I was just, I, no food, craft dinner and stuff, if anything. There was... Breakfast every day, there was a deal down the road, four fifty, for a breakfast sandwich and a coffee, and I ate that every morning, and I ate again right before. I tried to wait, 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 wait. Right before I went to sleep, I would eat so it would do me during the night. I fucking swear to you, I had nothing. I was picking up, I don't even smoke. I was picking up cigarette butts and smoking them, walking around bus stops and stuff. Just how am I going to pass the time? How am I going to deal with this? What's going to happen? Um... I became friends with some, some real nice people um, in the comedy world, but I just didn't have, well, I didn't have the money. Um, obviously, it just, look, I, I ended up having people. A guy named Keith Walsh was a friend of mine. He's passed away now, him. In a tragic story, him, his son, and his father, three generations of Walshes. 
and our friend Billy Humby capsized in a boat that we were on later that summer. He flew me home from Toronto so I could play ball hockey in the provincials with his team from Shea Heights, if you can believe that. And while, while I was home, I went everywhere. Um, I'd been in Toronto, I guess, three months. I mean, not, there was rats in the place I was staying in, okay? Um, I came home. I just reached out everywhere. Like to, I, I don't mean like, again, friends or anything, but just like I applied for jobs all over. I got one. Here's the job I got. My friend Blair Connolly, who owned a company. He since moved on. It was called British Bazaar, and they used to make lotto tickets and stuff. And it was minimum wage. And I, for three months, packed tickets from the midnight till eight in the morning shift. And I did it for minimum wage at the end of the week. Taxes taken out and everything. I made $325. And I did that for three months. And I wanted to kill myself. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Okay. I, but I just kept every day going, okay, something's going to, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And I put on my headphones at night and I would listen to podcasts, everything from philosophy to self-help to anything on acting on, on the acting because I knew there was shows coming to town. I went, I got a job on frontier. I knew those people from before the show frontier again as a set set dresser and I couldn't have been any more thankful and I did it. And that's when I met Jason Momoa. That's when I got the role at the start of frontier. That guy told you guys the story. I'm begging for my life and the start of frontier, the very first scene. That's how I brought myself to cry was thinking about my situation. I remember the director said, just think of the worst possible thing. And I, I, I kind of went to like something happened into Penny Lane. And, but that wasn't, that was kind of giving me shock and anger more than anything. But for those that don't know, I just, I had to cry in this very, very, very first scene. I begged for my life and I had to be like startled, crying, snot, blood, tears, whatever. And that's what got me there. Just thinking about my last few, few months and, and the last couple of years, I was like, how have I, I've come out of it again and I'll never complain. I'll never complain. I thought about all the ups and downs of being an NHL player and fucking up that career and going back to school and fucking playing for senior hockey, hockey money, man, and getting through and taking courses. And Danielle and I saw an extra $500. We thought we were rich. God bless us at the time. Right. Her to stay with me and all the ups and downs. And I got out of that, man. And I didn't have to fucking pick up butts and smoke them anymore out of boredom and anxiety. And I'm not telling you this, Rob, or the people who are listening as a lesson. I'm not, oh, do what I did, because it often doesn't work. There's a level of luck to what I did. But what I do know is that there's people that can help more than I can. I'm glad that I can help so many people by talking and being honest on the radio or wherever you listen to this. That gives me pleasure. Um, and, and, and even the odd time meeting people in public um, again, the guy who flew here and became a stalker, that was a little excessive, but I mean, I'm open to people. I'm out there. I, I see the best in people and Rob, there's a lot of people just like you that I'll go downtown this weekend or wherever or to a hockey game. I always say downtown because a lot of people are social when they drink. I go down on a Friday or a Saturday this week. It'll be Saturday. And I run into a lot of people that tell me about hockey, mental adversity, fucking football, politics, whatever, right? So what I'm saying is that I can lend an ear, obviously. Um, I can do this. I can talk. I can point you in a direction. I can give you phone numbers. I can phone people for you. I've already called the PHPA. There's a lot of help numbers out there and everything. So 
I just recommend trying all those options first. And when I said about the job, like, I'm sure maybe you've tried. I don't want you to insult you, but there has to be a job out there like I took that time. It took me walking into that, to the warehouse of the British Bazaar every night at 12 and seeing all those people look at me. I was, a, I was some people in there, I was their fucking hero. My mom used to work there way, way back 20, 25 years ago. When I got drafted, they were like, I was, I was a fucking royalty. Royalty to fucking 80% of the people that I walk in there 20 years later, 25 years later, 20 years later. I walk in and I'm making minimum wage, packing tickets, jump how fucking high. Where's the supervisor? Well, the supervisor got your jersey hanging in his fucking office, Terry. Signed. Yeah. And now I better make sure not to fuck up order number eight, box number 27. Put it on the conveyor belt. Like, wasn't easy, but it got done. And Rob, I got to think that there's somebody out there that can set you up. And if there's not, you're in Calgary, Edmonton, I can phone any number of people that can try to point you in the right direction. But it's going to be a low-end job. I, I'm just speculating. Not that I have people that can do that. I'm just saying I know people. You know people. I figure of all you teammates all over the world, you're a good teammate. There must be someone that can give you a security job or something overnight. Again, I'm not even, I don't even know if a job is the problem, right? I know you want awareness out there and I'm giving you this awareness. But now, Rob, last thing I'll say, like, I'm not starting to go fund me for you or, or anybody else. If, if, if I, I can't, that was callous. I'm not starting a GoFundMe right now for, for your situation. I will help you promote it for sure, but I can't take on the responsibility of starting something like this. With that comes organization, comes a lot more emails and texts and responsibility. I don't want to seem pompous, but I've got, I, uh, if I was to put all that time in, then I would have to start looking for stuff myself because I would have to give up podcasting and acting and, and being a dad and being a radio show host and doing cameos and everything. Like each one of those things I mentioned doesn't make me a whole lot of money. I'm do, I work real hard, man. I got five or six forms of income and I got a lot of fucking bills and I get the shit done. I got a daughter and I try to make it all work and I don't have time to fit into that. Starting a GoFundMe for something that you came up with. Now I support your cause. It's great. And, and mental health and, and, and people that need it when they, when they break off from hockey, all of it. But don't rely on me for that. Now, I fucking wish you the best. And the organizations I've mentioned, the numbers I've sent, try those. And take a breath. You're a good guy. You're still a young guy. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. And you're going to take it back. You're going to take your life back. You've got a daughter you, you, you love as well. I know it. And you're Rob fucking Frid, ex-professional hockey player. And whether it worked out or not, you just started a fucking business. You're a smart guy. Yeah, you might be weathered. But you're not dead. You're not close. You're going to rebound. Now look yourself in the mirror like I do and tell yourself that. And promise yourself that right into your own eyes. Because I believe in you. More than anything, I believe in you. 
I promise you that. Now, good luck, my friend. I mean that with every ounce of my being. Good luck. Folks, if you're downtown St. John's this particular weekend, it's Mardi Gras, and there's going to be a lot of people out. If I was you, I was new in town, or even if I was old in town, what would I do? I'd stop in for a beer is what I'd do, and I'd make sure to go to like a few different places, not just one. So if I'm on George Street, I would go to the Bull and Barrel. I would go to TJ's Pub. I would go to Martini Bar. And of course, I would go to Rob Roy Confusion. And why wouldn't I go to Greensleeves? Of course, I'd go to Greensleeves, just like I'd go to Trinity Pub. I'd go into all those places, and I'd have a beer. Tell them I sent you. Maybe they'll do you a favor. Who knows? Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, Wedgwood Cafe. Where better to get a good meal? And, of course, last but not least, when it comes to drinking and eating and going on the town in St. John's, Newfoundland, I tell you this, Loose Tie, the most underrated fucking five-star wicked restaurant in town, right above Greensleeves, part of the complex. That's why I often forget to mention it, right? Because I consider Loose Tie Greensleeves, but it's not. Loose Tie is above Greensleeves. It's got a very sweet ambiance about it uh green sleeves has live music um you know with a band kind of thing at the loose tie um it's a little bit more mellow the odd time they might have somebody with a guitar you might hear um you know a solo performance from a local artist but for the most part the loose tie is just a straight up fine dining beautiful restaurant right in the heart of George Street. The food is awesome. The drinks are second to none in the city. So the only question is, why don't you go there now? <laughs> tomorrow night, uh, if you're in St. John's and you listen to this, tomorrow night they have a game dinner. They have a game dinner once in a while. It was once every year. I think they should do it once every couple of months at least because it's my favorite night. One of my favorite nights in the winter, right? Sun goes down now a lot earlier. It's a little, little cold. We just, we're, we're lucky here, man. It was like 18 degrees again here today, but I saw it snowed in Edmonton, a lot of snow. We're getting into that area. And, uh, for me, one of the positive moments of the winter is definitely the green sleeves game dinner. It's a lot of fun. A lot of the who's who around town, uh, they put on a little bit different of a menu, obviously being a game dinner, not that they don't normally have game, but, uh, this is unique. It's a lot of fun. And right after the dinner, you can head down. What I love about the loose tie is that you can just walk down after and head right into green sleeves, which is my favorite place to watch live music in town. Me and, uh, Stephen Hancock and Jody Temple, we go way, 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 way back. And now, um, that they have the loose tie. I often go down there for a bite to eat first and then uh, start priming at uh, green sleeves right underneath, whether it's Dave White, whether it's Nick Earl, Damien Follett, whoever, always got great live music. And uh, trust me, they don't pay me to say this. They really don't. I didn't, there's no reason for me to say this, give, give loose tie a plug other than they're my friends. They treat me well. And I fucking love it there. So check out the Loose Tie, folks. If you want to change your life, strength and balance for the body and mind, stop into Power Conditioning at Ropewalk Lane. Power Conditioning, strength and balance for the body and mind. Ryan Power, great guy, great player, great person, great 
coach. Mr. Lube, there's a couple of them. You know where they are? Torbay Road, Camout Road. Live, laugh, Lube. Pitbull Pain Relief, the pain sticks that just don't quit. Pain, PitbullPainRelief.com. See what all the fuss is about. True Hockey, take what's yours. Thank you to True Corey Gregory and True Hockey for everything you do. They just sponsored us at this Chicklets Cup. They give me all my gloves and sticks. And uh, word, word is they'll be... Uh, they might be looking into another Shorzy season if if we do another Shorzy season. So I got my fingers crossed on both counts. Folks, this has been episode 176. Hey, wow, we're getting up there. Thanks to everybody involved. Uh, 16 games in the NHL tonight. All 32 teams are playing. Should be a good one. Happy hockey season. I'll be back in just a couple of days with another great guest and more. Tales with TR. Catch you guys on the rebound.